Welcome to Grateful Scripts, and I'm your host, Lindsay Paulson. Join us as we dive in each week to talk healing, adulting, and resources for trauma, life, and just showing up for one another. Together, we are going to learn everything our parents forgot to teach us in a community of grace and humility. Grab the coziest blanket you have, some snacks, snuggle up, and be ready to digest the best script that anyone can prescribe. This is The Grateful Script. Welcome back to Grateful Scripts, and I am your host, Lynn's Paulson, and today we are actually going to be diving into a little bit of a topic that is near and dear to my heart as far as not only youth sports, but the mental health and the impacts of how that is kind of infecting youth sports day in and day out. So my oldest is involved in travel soccer currently, and I have the pleasure of speaking with her travel club coach. Charlie, and he is here today to give us a little insight into that. So, Charlie, thank you so much for coming today. And if you don't mind, give us a little bit of introduction into you. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure to be here. I am uh, Charlie Hamilton. I moved to Richmond back in 2010 to go to school. I've been here ever since um, as a teacher. I have taught elementary school. Um, third, fourth, and fifth grade, and then have also officiated all levels of soccer, um, for the most part, up, up into the college ranks. Um, I have coached, you know, U8 teams, I have coached middle school teams, and I have coached high school teams. So I've kind of been across all age groups and gotten to work with some great athletes and excited to be here. Well, we are excited to have you. And now he is stuck with my talkative child. So y'all just say a little prayer for him because that's a lot of work. Um, but oh, tell us, the, the she, she was really excited. She said, are you going to have him over and you all are going to sit in the closet? And I was like, not exactly how podcasts work, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, not exactly yeah, yeah, nope. Um, so if you don't mind, just kind of tell everybody, you know, you had talked a little bit about your coaching experience, just a little bit about your credentials, kind of what you're coaching now and what intrigued you towards becoming a coach. I actually got into, of course, I played soccer and all the sports and growing up in, in high school, really kind of focusing on soccer Absolutely through college and even a little bit past that got into some high level officiating both in basketball and soccer and that lasted to about 2016 when actually I officiated a game at Caudill and coming off the field had a conversation with their then athletic director and he was just kind of feeling me out about you know, I was interested in coaching honestly at that point I never thought about it but got into it thought it would be fun thought I would be some it would be something that I was pretty good at. And so I started officiating at Caudill in 2016. I was there for two years and moved up to the high school rank here in Richmond, Madison Central, coached there for four years, two as the JV coach and two as the head varsity coach. And then beginning in about 2019, I also started working and coaching with our club here in Richmond, Madison United. 
Yes. And that's kind of how Charlie and I got connected. Um, he actually was coaching a different team at the time. Didn't really know much about his coaching history, but then he was able to come to join our team and has been kind of navigating just 2012, obviously, that right now, they're, for those who aren't aware, that is their birth year. So 11-year-olds have a lot of emotions and that can fluctuate. And this is kind of a crucial time for their mental health development. Um, and as you get from a parent side deeper into the club level, you know, we had an indoor game this weekend and my child was sitting on one side of the field and parents were screaming obscenities at her from the other end of the the other end of the field. So it really does, you know, when an adult and you're 11 and an adult is screaming obscenities at you because your team is beating their team, inevitably is what sparked this conversation that I wanted to kind of have with Charlie from a coach perspective, um, just because from a parent perspective, you see that and you feel that impact and how they embrace that feedback when they get off the field. Um, Charlie, when was the first time that you experienced a player as a coach with either declining mental health or the stress of a game or a parent influence? Kind of describe what that has looked like for you coaching all of these different years. With that question, I can kind of answer it when you ask me that question. Three former three former players come to mind. And all three were at different levels. Um whether it was school or club, a couple of players were both. So here are kind of the things that when you talk about mental health and you involve it with sports, I, I think there are two major issues that happen and it is parents and playing team, right? Those those are always the hot button topics. Those are always the biggest issue when you talk to a player. I'm not playing enough. Coach doesn't like me. You know, the parents are yelling at me. I can't concentrate. Things like that. So, you know, I have those three players that came to mind, and then I'll talk a little bit about our team and the current 2012s a little bit, just from last season. But you know. I coached a player from her eighth grade year up until her junior year. That junior year season is when I decided to step away from Madison Central. And she decided that she wasn't going to play as a senior. I spoke with her in passing several times since then. She is happy. She did the right thing for her. But when I speak to her about, hey, what's going on? What happened there? Her very blunt, very honest answer was, I couldn't take my parents anymore. And, and that's the yeah, answer. Right? Yes. And that is just, I mean, you want to talk about eye-opening for hopefully a lot of parents listening, that we have this player who, she was solid. She wasn't going to be a star. She wasn't going to go play in college, but she loved the game. And she was playing it for the love of the game. And it was the parent or parents that kind of drove her away from from the game. And you think about, hey, what do we play for? We play for that senior year. We play for that senior night. We play for, hey, this is my season. I, I've done the dirty work up until this point, and now this last season, you're going to celebrate me. And she elected to choose not to play her final year. Again, her words, not mine. I couldn't handle my parents anymore. Yeah, and so, I think that's so hard to hear just as like – like, I don't know if that if my child came to me and said, you know, I don't want to play anymore because here's what you're doing. I'd probably fall apart. I just I feel like that amount immense 
amount of pressure that youth sports, especially from such a young age, where like we're already talking about college recruitments and things, and they're not even teenagers yet. Um, I just can't imagine how much pressure she had to feel to kind of make that decision. Well, and I know we're going to get to this a little bit later on, but it is just that whether whether the parents are meaning to or not, and you as a coach, as a former player, you want to give the parents the benefit of the doubt and you want to say, okay, either A, they don't know that they're applying this pressure or you know, B, that they're not meaning to apply this pressure. And just as you mentioned, the the age, the hormones, all the things that are going on in the high school and middle school, that there's just some miscommunication between the parent and the player. But when you get that just point blank answer from a player who had played, you know, her entire life to that last season saying, hey, I'm done. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, good for her for being able to recognize that, but that takes a lot of maturity as her, as a player to come out and say, you know, it's better for me to just kind of part ways. But yeah, just definitely disheartening all the same. Oh, absolutely. And the other, I'll give you again, really two quick examples. The, the other one was also another senior who, um, the class after her, again, I had already decided to step away. I see her out at the pool um, one day and I knew she didn't play her senior year. And this is a player who was getting some college looks, nothing major, but the Asbury's, the, you know, the Trinities, the the smaller schools in our area were giving her some looks. So she did have the skill and the potential to play on when she and I spoke, she was having, um, for lack of a better term, she was having health issues, not necessarily mental health issues, but I think that, you know, her health issues were actually caused, um, by the game, you know, not taking care of herself from not drinking enough water to, you know, she was putting, and as you can imagine, someone who's being actively recruited, she felt like she had to put in all this extra work, you know, that was outside of club practice and school practice and school games and club games. She was putting in extra work, work on her own, work on a trainer, work with a personal trainer at the gym. And it literally just broke her body down. And to the point to where um, she started having some heart complications, things like that, to where her doctor instructed her that it was time to step away. Maybe not for necessarily ever, but when you step away is going into your senior year of high school, it's kind of hard to pick that back up and get back into it. Yeah, no, I I think about that often, too, because we all as parents want to encourage our, you know, you want to get your kid to work on footwork and things of that nature. Um, but there are, you know, several studies like they don't need to be maxing out the squat bench. Like they need to be working on other things because it is bad for their body. And I know there are people who will probably disagree with that, but, you know, they still have to be children at the same time. Well, especially when they're, you know, and again, this player in particular was working with a personal trainer at the gym. So I'm sure that that was better, but how many of these high school kids are caught, you know, college kids or even young athletes. Now, you know, you're seeing woke training regiments at, you know, middle school levels now. And so 
How many of them are actually doing it properly? How many of them, you know, one of the biggest things that, you know, all of my teams complain about is when I make them stretch. Like, hey, you you know, it's cold outside. You've got to get a good stretch in. And they don't want to do that before a game, more or less, you know, hey, after the game, we're going to stretch out a little bit. And it's probably something that I need to do a better job of as a coach. But there are so many ways to just run your body into the ground, especially with overtraining and that feeling that I think is a mental, the mental side of things where I feel like I have got to put in the work if I want to reach my goals or my parents' goals or my coach's goals or whatever it is. And that can be really, really dangerous. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think that is a perfect example that a lot of us don't even think about because, you know, my child in particular, she's the busy child. She wants to be in all, have her hands in all the different pots. And sometimes I have to just say like, you don't need to lift weights. You don't like go outside, go, you know, be a kid. I told you that one time she is sprinting in the snow with the dog because she's like, I got to get my cardio up. I'm like, you're going to get hypothermia. Get inside the house. Like, what are you doing? Like, I swear, Coach Charlie will know that you have ran, but let's, it's negative 25. Get inside, put a coat on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then the third one, and I think this is the biggest one, and this is the one that we'll spend a little time on um, in your next question, I'm sure. But this uh, player was a middle schooler. Um, actually, I was the assistant coach, and she um, she had a phenomenal game. I think she scored twice. I think um, you know she had an assist. They had just beaten a middle school you know rival, for lack of a better term. I don't know if you have those really in middle school. But she just beaten a team that was filled with you know players from her from her club team that was on it. She had played phenomenal. They had won you know pretty handily, you know three to nothing, and I think she was involved in every single goal. And after the game, after we do the handshake line, you know she's walking over and she, I mean, she is visibly upset, um, tears in her eyes, you know, kind of breathing heavy. And I walk over to her and like, hey, what? what's going on with you? You know, she just kind of does that. I mean, and you know what it's like for, especially as a middle school parent where it just kind of has all become too much and they don't even talk. They just kind of fall into your body and they're just like, yeah. they, they just need you to hug me right now. And so we kind of hugged and, you know, sat there for a minute. And then when I'm like, Hey, what, talk to me, what is going on? You know, you know mostly because while you're fearing that she's hurt, you know, she's taking a shot to the head or, you know, something that's happened that you didn't see. And she says, I missed that final goal. And that's what my dad's going to remember. So we have this player who has scored twice. She assisted the third. They won three to nothing in a big game. And this player is hyperventilating on the sideline at the end of the game because God doesn't care about the how great of a game she's played. Her thought for now, whether that does or not, we don't know, but something has happened there that her mental state goes to that holy crap, I missed that last goal and I should have made it. And that's the only thing my dad is going to remember from this game. I think that absolutely destroys me. And I think it was maybe you who even told our parent group that's like when they get off the field, our goal is to whatever the result is, is we can talk about criticisms later they need confidence and I think one of the things that our team has benefited from a lot this season and last season was they needed a confidence boost there they needed to be uplifted they needed a lot less 
criticizing and, you know, outside noise from parents screaming and all of that and to let the coach coach and give them that positivity and praise. And it's really turned their whole kind of team and mode around. Um, So I know that you had told us something about like, you know, make a compliment sandwich. If you have to say something and you cannot bite your tongue, say something positive, sprinkle in a criticism and end it with a positive. Like go in and give them something to be like, okay, here's what I did great. Here's what we could work on. But I still did these items over here. Phenomenal. A hundred percent. And that's one of the things that, you know, I mean, we'll tell on our parents a little bit here. You know, we had to have a kind of a come to Jesus meeting about midway through the season too. And I really thought that that, Maybe not even midway, maybe a third of the way through the season. And I really thought that that moment when I was able to open up and share some of the horror stories that I'm seeing and hearing on the sidelines to you all who probably had no idea that it was happening because you are on the other side. And when they get in the car, they're not going to tell you these things because, you know, they're middle schoolers. They're just, you know, they're they're not going to say, hey, I don't want, nobody on our team wants to play on the parent side of the field because you all are crazy. <laughs> no, no, yes. no middle school, but, but as the coach, you know, I hear that. And so that's when I get, that's when I not, not get, but that's when I have to step in. And that's kind of what we had this season. And just like I told you all, you know, if, Your first question when when they get in the car is that now I know it changes as you get older and it becomes more competitive. But even at the high school age, what what is wrong with the first question being, hey, did you have fun today? Hey, was tonight fun? There's nothing wrong with that question, regardless of who you're talking to. And then and then you can go into that. Hey, what did you what is one thing you did great today? What is tell me one thing you did great today? So now all of a sudden you have started that post-game conversation as a positive. Like, hey, it's going to be a positive conversation. And then, as you mentioned, you know, if you feel the need to, at that moment, hey, let the let the player do it. Hey, what do you want to improve on? Based on today's game, what do you want to improve on? Because they know, they know that they had the ball three times in the scoring position and missed it all three times. They know that we played the ball to them twice and it went between your legs and into the goal. Like, they know that. They don't need parents or even coaches harping on that in the post-game chat. And my other big piece of advice, and I actually learned this um, from Coach Dunn my partner at Ace, where he they put a time limit on the conversation. It is a 10-minute post-game conversation. And when that little bell timer, you know, whatever they do goes off, they're done talking about the game. And now our conversation is, okay, what are we going to do for dinner? Hey, we have to do this tonight, you know, before. And, and just now we move on. And again, you relieve some of those mental stresses of that player who the worst part of their whole game is the car ride home. Yeah. Well, and I think, I know I've brought this up for my child and her experience like she can handle most things but I do think the parents and the screaming and the obscenities especially from parents on the other team you know that's the stuff that builds that anxiety and when you have parents screaming obscenities and then the sideline coaches and your team's trying to call for the ball like that's very overstimulating for an 11 year old because you're essentially just getting yelled at from eight different angles so I think being able to have that post-game chat and then say 
okay, here's what we saw. Here's what we can fix. Now, are we going to Chick-fil-A? Like that is a, a good strategy to kind of reel it back into, you know, this is the conversation we're having, but we're not going to beat you over the head with it kind of moving forward. And and most players understand that. And most players, I would think, want that feedback from mom and dad, right? Or grandma or grandpa or whoever's in the car with them. They want that feedback. They want to know that you were involved in the game and here was, here's what you saw. But I think giving them control over the conversation by asking those three questions allows them to dictate how that conversation goes. And, you know, if, if what they want to improve on, they say, you know, their first touch or whatever it is, even even maybe they had the best game they've ever played when it comes to first touch. And, you know, you wanted to talk about, hey, your passes were awful today, but that's still the conversation you have. And if you want to come back to it, you know, maybe, you know, another 10 minute conversation riding into the practice the next night or the next week or whatever it is. But I think that post game conversation needs to be based around what the player wants to talk about. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree wholly or totally in all the things. Charlie, what are you kind of, what are reoccurring issues as we've talked about, you know, our team specifically, well, don't write on our team because they do listen to this podcast, but what <laughs> reoccurring issues do you experience as a coach? Like we're talking about, you're in the middle of a game, you know, you've got people screaming, Talk about some of the things that you've experienced that kind of happen over and over and over that you think impact them the most or directly just with soccer and their mental health. The biggest one is playing time, right? And, and that maybe sounds like a cop-out answer, but it's the truth. And um, even even at the youngest ages where everybody's playing, everybody's playing equal amount, but it, it doesn't matter how long I'm on the field. What matters is those four or five minutes that I'm sitting on the bench. And I've told coach I'm ready to go back in. And he's putting in, you know, Sally instead of me. And I don't understand why. So I think that's where you start. That's the biggest. And not only for, you know, a coach and a player, but it's also, the, you know, it's that mental side of things for the player. Why am I not playing? Why is Sally going in before me? You know, Sally didn't even come to practice yesterday. Why is she playing? Why is she starting over me? All those questions come up. And I think this is where, you know, we, I feel like we've kind of harped on parents a lot. So this isn't a parent issue. This is a coach issue. And especially as you get into the older ages, as a coach, you have to relieve those playing time issues by addressing them head on at the beginning of the season, about halfway through the season, and then at the end of the season. And you have to be point blank about, hey, here's, again, we're talking about a little older ages, but hey, here's when you're going to play, or here's why you're not playing, or even, hey, I know last game you played the entire game, and in this match, I, you only played 12 minutes, but here's why. And you have to be just very open and honest with those things as a coach talking to your player. You don't ever want a player. Now, again, some of it's hard because we don't know that there's a problem until it gets to a breaking point. So but as coaches, if you really envelop or develop those one-on-ones with players, and it doesn't have to be anything formal, I feel like I do a pretty good job of this where I am I'm talking to every single one of my pr- players pr- privately at some point 
during practice. Now, is that to say that I get to every single player, every practice? Of course not. Is a lot of times they don't even know what I'm doing, but but there are also times when they do know, and you know, you kind of put your arm around them and just explain, hey, here here's why you didn't play last game, or here's why you didn't start last game. And I think having that open conversation between coach and players, and really not even that conversation, because that open relationship between coach and player is so important, not only for the players' mental health, because they actually understand what's going on, but for the coaches' mental health too, because I don't feel like I ever have to worry about playing time. Not that I don't have playing time issues. Of course you do. You have them every single year. But I feel that I can look at any player or any parent who comes to me over playing time issues and say, have you talked to your child? They they know. And yeah. I think that's really hard both for parent and player, but I think it's so important. Yeah. I I know I've talked to just my kid independently and said, you know, if you ever have an issue with something, you have to go to coach. I am not going to step in unless you say, I've gone to coach eight times and he told me to go kick rocks. Okay. Well, then I would come and say like, hey, what what do we need to do? You know, what what can we do to improve? But I think having that open line of honest communication is definitely step one. And even we've talked about you having, and I don't want to dive too deep into this, but you talking to the girls directly about mental health and saying like, this is also an open line of communication, you know, whether it's playing time or just anything that bothers you whatsoever, you're more than welcome to come talk to me. And I think it's, it's such a huge relationship that can be developed if if it's developed appropriately and, you know, that trust factor is there. You know, and then believe it or not, and just kind of switching gears here, the other thing that I think is one of the biggest causes for stress, and I think this occurs probably at kind of the age um, we are now, the 2012s, and then, of course, older, is um, players don't know how to deal with injuries. And we're talking injuries, you know, if you're hurt, you know, can, can we play through it? You know, if I, there's a difference between being hurt and injured, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of players feel that when I'm injured, if I don't play, I'm going to lose my spot, whatever spot that may be. Maybe I'm a sub, maybe I'm the starting striker, whatever spot that is. And because, I mean, how dangerous is that, right? You have a player with a mild sprained ankle who the doctor would probably say, hey, they need to sit. And they don't because of that mental state where they're thinking, if I don't, if I, if I go to coach and tell him I can't play, he's never going to play me again. Or the child that shows up to practice with a rock sides bulge out the side of her kneecap and said, yeah, I'm good. I, I can do it. I can sprint. And you say, okay, show me. And then we did not. We were unable to show you that we could sprint. Like, I think it's such a huge thing just to say, like, I can't do this today. I have a crater that is built on the side of my leg. What else would you like me to do? And that's the perfect way to go about it, right? So now I'm still involved in the practice. I'm still involved in the training. Coach knows I want to be there because I've shown up. Um, And, you know, and you're you're talking about a knee here, but the most dangerous thing is when especially at school or somewhere where I'm not with them, 
and a player, you know, I'll tell on myself a little bit here and also the player, but on our team this past season, we had a player take a shot to the head about midway through a game. I didn't see it. It happened over on the parent sideline. I was unaware until, you know, much later and was talking to that parents, that player's parent. And she was like, yeah, well, she's got a headache. Well, now, now not only you know, now we got a major problem, right? Because now we're talking about the brain and a head injury or a neck injury. And so luckily she was fine and she got checked out and everything was good. But just like, you know, that, you know, we talk about playing time. I think this new phenomenon, maybe not new, I've dealt with it ever since I coached, but this new phenomenon of fighting injuries because, because of that, you know, mental talk that you have with yourself that if I don't play this week, coach is never going to play me again. Again, that, that has become outside of the playing time argument and outside of off field issues, whether it be parents or, you know, coaching or whatever it is. I think that for me is a major mental health concern. Yeah. Well, and also just a regular medical concern, because what's to say player B doesn't come out and get hit in the head again. And so now you've had two very serious strikes to the head. And I don't know about all these other children, but my child cannot afford to lose any more brain cells. So her, I mean, getting smoked in the head twice, that can that can start to add up. Like even the concussion protocols now in professional sports, like it's it's gotten a lot more recognition, I think, as, you know, time goes on and players take these injuries, NFL, you know women's USA team, like all of those are recognizing it. But if those individuals can take the time out to recognize it, then I just, I get mind blown that high school and middle school don't take it as serious. No, I couldn't agree more. And again, this just goes back to the leaders that are involved with the program, whether it's, you know, the athletic director or the head coach or an athletic trainer or the direct, the DOC, whatever it is, you know, that, that all falls back on in their lap and, and it should, but at the same time, you know, we, and I tell all my teams this all the time, I'm not a mind reader. When something's going on, when you're hurt, when something's not right, you have to, to tell me. And luckily I'm working with three teams right now. And I think all three of them are for the most part, I'm pretty good about that. They let me know when, Hey, you know, and, and sometimes again, we're talking injuries and things like that, but sometimes you just had a crappy day, right? And you argued with your best friend at school and you have a ton of homework and you're starving, you didn't like what they had for uh, lunch at school that day, and so now I'm hungry, and we get in the car, and I say, Mom, I don't want to go to practice, and Mom's like, oh, no, we're, you're going to practice, and so why you show up to practice, and nothing's going your way that day, coach needs to know them, you know, or the, the teammates need to know that, hey, coach, I'm here, and I'm going to give it my all, but today, my 100% might not be my normal 100%. I wish that more coaches recognized that because these kids go through so much, especially when you're talking about school and this weird age and bullying. And I mean, we come home with even just as simple as we've got six hours of homework to do and now we have soccer practice and no disrespect to soccer practice, but 
if we've been at school at eight hours and now we have this ridiculous amount of homework, like it starts to build the pressure of, can I get it all done in time? Can I perform at my best doing all of these things? And, you know, sometimes I just say, we can do it in the car. And then if you don't feel comfortable, we we can't go that day. You know, we you need to get schoolwork done. And I appreciate when you say student first and then athlete, because sometimes school is a lot for them. And I, my kid is very self-sufficient, but there's a lot of kids out there that are not. So I can't imagine, you know, some of those harder struggles for those parents that have to, you know, their kids had a crappy day. Now they have homework and soccer practice, and they're just kind of hanging in by a thread by the time that they get to you. Absolutely. And again, a lot of times the only one who knows that is the kid themselves. And they, they, especially at the age that we're talking here, middle school, high school, that kind of age, they have to understand how important that is and as a coach. And I'm sure that every decent coach that you will ever have or that your child will ever play for is the same exact way that sometimes we just, we, we need a personal day. You know, we, we need to take a day and where we go home after school and we do nothing. Whether, you know, we or we go home after school and we hang out, we watch some TV, we eat dinner as a family, and we'll pick up with the soccer and the school and all that stuff the next day. But, you know, I think every job in America, we're allowed to take personal health days. You know, you're allowed to take a personal day. And so kids need that too, especially that kid who is involved in two or three or four or eight different things all the time. And as parents, as coaches, as teachers, we have to be the adult in the relationship. And we have to be the ones that say, hey, you know what? Just not tonight. Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, I just, they're so overstimulated to begin with most days. And so just having them, I mean, I like personal health days. So I know my kid has to appreciate it because I too enjoy a day where I can sit at home and do nothing. Um, I live and breathe for those days. I I know you will probably get sick of us, but if if there's one time that soccer canceled, I'm like, yes, I am in bed by seven o'clock, like pajamas on. We are living the high life. So, you know, we want to have that fine balance for them. Um, but are there any other things that you think that you kind of run into pretty consistently besides, you know, the player time and the injuries? I think, and I think this is the major, you know, with playing time and injury, there's a lot of physical stuff there. But when it comes to mental health, the biggest thing for me is, and this is going to be one of the things, and you'll hear that this season, once we get really get going this spring, um, you know, I've done so much research lately on just the power of self-talk. And you see, you see these videos of professional athletes, you know, before the guy who comes to my mind is Aaron Donald. And before the Super Bowl two years ago, there's a video that's surfacing of his own self-talk. And, you know, he says some not kid-friendly words, but basically he's saying, I got this. I'm going to dominate today. No one's going to be able to stop me and we're going to win. And that is his self-talk that he does before every game, before every time he steps on the field. And I just wonder, and I'm sure there are even more studies out there, that if we just change that self-talk, not, I mean, 
for some of us, myself included, we're just as guilty of it as the middle schooler or the high schooler is that if we change that self-talk from, oh, this is so hard, I, I don't think I can do this, to, hey, I'm going to give this my best shot, and that's all I can do. Just that switch in self-talk, I think, could really, really lead to a better mental health. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. So we are big on affirmations in our house um, as far as, especially right before game time. And we we have affirmations, but on top of that, we have a hype playlist. It is all PG-rated hype music about how you're going to go out there, you're going to do your best. Okay, there might be one Eminem song that is explicit. I'm sorry, it is in the playlist. I cannot help you. But she listens to it before the games. It's like, I can do this. Like, at the end of the day, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do everything that I can and leave it out on the field. And if it doesn't hinder that result, we can do better next time. But I think that giving them that positivity and that, you know, hype up before the game and even hype up before going to a practice, it just makes all the world and their confidence. And they know that they can rely on themselves. They have that that confidence. It kind of takes that self-doubt out. And then on top of that, they can take any negative self-talk out of their own heads and just say, you know what? At the end of the day, it's not going to matter. I'm going to go out here and, and kind of leave it all out for all I got. Well, and here's the biggest thing with that. And you kind of hinted at this um, when you were talking about your playlist. You know, at the end of the day, and honestly, I mean, until you're a professional, it, it's just a game. And... And that's for any sport. Of course, we've talked a lot about soccer tonight because that's what we do. But, you know, these these elementary, middle school, high school kids, they're playing a game. And you have to go back to that moment of, okay, why did I start playing this game at four years old? Okay, probably because mom signed me up and then I was in the car and she was throwing me out on a field. But then, okay, th that may be true and that's okay, but... When we get to that eight, nine, ten year age range, hey, why did you keep playing? Well, I kept playing because I liked it. It was fun. I liked being a part of a team. I liked hanging out with my friends outside of school. And I just so happened to be on a soccer field. And that self-talk, and I, and I think, hey, it starts with this is just a game. And as a coach, that is really hard for me to say. Because I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. You know that. I, there are moments in games when I overstep, whether it's talking to a referee or... Oh, that you know, hat is coming off. We know it is exactly, serious. Yeah. And and so it... No one's perfect and, and you're not going to ever get to that point where everything... Okay, well, the referee must just be having a bad day. That's why he missed that call. Okay, that, that's unrealistic. But I think... If we take that self-talk or even just that ability to own up, you know, to our mistakes and say, hey, I, I messed up. And again, we're talking about self-talk. Another thing that I'm going to implement um, this season, don't tell your daughter because they don't know yet, but we are going to um, – my, my two goals moving forward are to read and reflect, right? Getting the athlete themselves to read – whether, um, you know, I, I have lots of great books, but I think I'm going to start with the reflect side of things where 
they themselves once a week answer those questions that we talked about earlier. Did I have fun this week at, on the soccer field? What am I really proud of myself? What did I do really well this week? And then heading into practice next week, what is one thing I want to work on? And just starting to build that. And I think, again, there's nothing wrong with telling yourself, man, I really screwed that play up. You know, oh my goodness, that that ball should have been in the back of the net and I completely mishit it. But I think it's because, and you're never going to get rid of those because we're we're human beings, we're, we're normal. But it's the sentence after that. And I got some girls on both of my teams who are so good at that when when they go, ah, sorry, I missed that play, but I'll get it next time. Or, ah, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll be better. You know, one girl in particular on our team, and I, again, I don't want to say her name, but she is phenomenal at that. She not only will acknowledge, hey, you, I screwed up, but the play you made was really good and don't worry I'll be better next time and how powerful is that yeah that's so good I I hear those affirmation statements like after the game and that gives me such good hope for our team in in particular because they don't let each other sit down and sulk they they really don't like if one of them's crying the other ones are right there to say you know this is what you did great. You don't need to be upset. This is what you did great. And I think having those teammates who are not ones to point fingers either, I mean, it's huge. It's huge for them to know that their team has their back, even if a, I call, I say an uh-oh, but it's not even like an uh-oh. It's just a, you know, everyone makes mistakes and that's all there is to it. Yeah. And like, I mean, I think it's so important that um, we have those players in, that that takes training you know that kids don't just wake up and think oh i'm gonna be i'm going to master the power of self-talk today or you know what i'm going to not let playing time bother me anymore you know i'm going to make sure coach knows that i hurt my wrist at school today you know those things don't happen naturally they have to be taught we have to remember that they are children and they need help in those aspects. And I think as teachers, as coaches, as parents, as all these people who are involved in their lives, whether we want to be or not, we are the role model. And that puts a lot of emphasis on are we are we living our ace? So they they see that every day as well. That you know, ace isn't always perfect, but that's what I'm gonna aim for and that's what matters. I'm so glad you just like slide into these segues. It's like a grace, like just right on into the next <laughs> question. But for before we wrap up, I do want to give you the opportunity because I think it is so powerful for you to talk, tell people about Ace Football Academy. And Charlie also has a podcast where he discusses with Coach Denham about, you know, coaching or the World Soccer Roundup, or he does interviews, or they kind of, my favorite is, episode is five things that players do to drive the coaches crazy. So my daughter sent me that episode and said, you should probably listen to this. So I, you know, there's lots of good stuff there. So just let everybody know kind of where they can learn about ACE and overall kind of what you're doing with that and and your podcast so they can follow along and find more content like this. Absolutely. And thank you for that. Because you mentioned 
getting my athletes to read a little bit more moving forward. One of my favorite people, um, and one of my one of my role models is Coach JP Nervin. And he does a podcast called The Coaching Culture. And it's all about this again, this I don't want this to be super long winded, but he talks about becoming a trans transformational coach instead of a transactional coach. And it is an absolute wonderful podcast. He and his co-host, Nate Seamerson, were actually kind enough to come on our podcast. And it was kind of like a, you know, I was like starstruck moment because these are two guys that I really look up for, look up to. But in one of their podcasts, they talked about attitude, commitment, effort. And that has, this was years and years ago on one of their earlier podcasts. And it has just become kind of my mantra and you know, we shortened it to ACE. We rolled out our podcast um, a little over a year ago. We can be found anywhere or any podcast platform. It is just ACE Football, and that is spelled the correct way, F-U-T-B-O-L Academy. We are on Facebook under that same name. We are on Twitter under that same name as well, or X or whatever they're calling it these days. But they, in addition to the podcast, we offer... um you know, futsal Saturdays, we offer some training experiences here and there, but ultimately our goal is to get the kids out, let them follow the sport that we all love, let us remember why we're playing the game and make sure we're just living that ace every day. Yes. And so Charlie has um, done a really great job with, you know, even stuff in the summer, if you're kid is looking to do some, you know, extra stuff. They've been able to come out, do some foot skills trainings, but definitely follow him on Facebook or get into the ACE page because that's where they, I think that's where you post the most updates. I mean, I could be lying. I'm talking like I, you know, am your employee here, but Facebook has a lot of good updates on when they're doing futsal and things like that, but definitely give them a follow um, on you know, Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast to kind of learn more too, um, just about what they're doing and kind of how to live out your ace. Charlie, is there anything else that you kind of want to leave us with your wisdom or anything else you want to add well, in? You mentioned that here's episode. You know, we did, uh, as I mentioned, the episode with JP Newman is probably my favorite episode that we've done, again, just because of who those guys were to me. But we actually just recorded an episode with um, Asia Mape. She is a Emmy award-winning journalist and has done all kinds of great things um, for CBS and ESPN. And she's been on the sideline at Super Bowls and all that kind of stuff. But she came on and kind of talked to us about what, it wasn't mental health, but there were lots of mental health aspects to it. Um, she is the founder of I love to watch you play.com. But if you wanted to follow up just on this kind of conversation, that would be a great one to get you started on our podcast. Yes, I listened to it today and it was really, really great. That was actually one of the first things I said to Charlie before we hit record. I was like, that was really good. Like I liked the little tidbits from that. So they, they kind of dive into a variety of different things. But Charlie, thank you so much. And then we actually talked about doing a little bit of a bonus to this episode. Um, so that is kind of still in the works where we're going to actually pull in a couple of players, obviously approval from their adult friends and say, you know, what pressures do you feel in your sport? 
and get the flip side. So now we'll have the parent side, the coach's side, and the player side and how, you know, how this is impacting them day out. So look forward to that episode. And Charlie, thank you so much for kind of jumping on here and giving your perspective. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. 